Let's read together Judges chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. In this first half of Judges 8, we have Gideon's pursuit of the Midianites who were trying to escape after being defeated. Judges chapter 8, verses 1 through 21. Now the men of Ephraim said to Gideon, Why have you done this to us by not calling us when you went to fight with the Midianites? And they reprimanded him sharply. So Gideon said to them, What have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer? God has delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb, and Zeb. And what was I able to do in comparison with you? Then their anger toward him subsided when he said that. When Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the 300 men who were with him crossed over exhausted, but still in pursuit. Then he said to the men of Succoth, Please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted, and I am pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna, kings of Midian. And the leaders of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hand, that we should give bread to your army? So Gideon said, For this cause, when the Lord has delivered Zeba and Zalmunna into my hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. Then he went up from there to Penuel and spoke to them in the same way. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered. So he also spoke to the men of Penuel, saying, When I come back in peace, I will tear down this tower. Now Zeba and Zalmunna were at Karkar, and their armies with them, about 15,000, all who were left of all the army of the people of the east. For 120,000 men who drew the sword had fallen. Then Gideon went up by the road of those who dwell in the tents on the east of Nobah and Jagbaha, and he attacked the army while the camp felt secure. When Zeba and Zalmunna fled, he pursued them. And he took the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and routed the whole army. Then Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from battle, from the ascent of Herez. And he caught a young man of the men of Succoth and interrogated him. And he wrote down for him the leaders of Succoth and its elders, 77 men. Then he came to the men of Succoth and said, Here are Zeba and Zalmunna, about whom you ridiculed me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hand, that we should give bread to your weary men? And he took the elders of the city and thorns of the wilderness and briars, and with them he taught or disciplined the men of Succoth. Then he tore down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. And he said to Zeba and Zalmunna, What kind of men were they whom you killed at Tabor? So they answered, As you are, so were they. Each one resembled the son of a king. Then he said, They were my brothers and sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you had let them live, I would not kill you. And he said to Jether, his firstborn, Rise, kill them. But the youth would not draw his sword, for he was afraid, because he was still a youth. So Zeba and Zalmunna said, Rise yourself and kill us, for as a man is, so is his strength. So Gideon arose and killed Zeba and Zalmunna, and took the crescent ornaments that were on their camels' necks. All right, let's begin now with some background notes for this first half of Judges chapter 8. In Judges chapter 7, we read about Gideon's amazing defeat of the Midianites who had oppressed Israel for seven years outnumbered more than 450 to 1, and without a lot of weapons, Gideon and his small army overwhelmingly defeated the Midianites. 
How is this possible? The Lord was with Gideon. And with God, all things are possible, then and today. Now here in Judges chapter 8, we have Gideon's pursuit of the Midianites, who were trying to escape across the Jordan River and then run south, back home to the land of Midian. The first thing that Gideon did was to summon the men from the tribe of Ephraim to cut off all the escape routes along that part of the Jordan River. And this operation was quite successful. In fact, the men of Ephraim captured Oreb and Zeb, two princes of the Midianites. These princes were probably military leaders as well. We read about this at the end of chapter 7. Meanwhile, Gideon and his faithful 300 men crossed the Jordan and were heading south in pursuit of the Midianites who had managed to escape across the Jordan River. Look at verse 4 once again. When Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the 300 men who were with him crossed over exhausted, but still in pursuit. After some disappointment at the towns of Succoth and Penuel, which we'll talk about under our doctrinal points, Gideon closed in on the escaping Midianites. He used another surprising attack and then captured the two kings of Midian. Apparently, these two Midianite kings, Zeba and Zalmunna, had killed Gideon's two brothers. Look at verses 18 and 19. And Gideon said to Zeba and Zalmunna, What kind of men were they whom you killed at Tabor? So they answered, As you are, so were they. Each one resembled the son of a king. Then Gideon said, They were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you had let them live, I would not kill you. Now Gideon asked his son, Jether, probably a teenager at this time, to avenge these murders by killing these two kings. But his son was afraid. And at this point, Zeba and Zalmunna said to Gideon, verse 21, Rise yourself and kill us, for as a man is, so is his strength. So Gideon arose and killed Zeba and Zalmunna and took their crescent ornaments that were on their camels' necks. The kings did not want to be humiliated by having a young boy kill them. Furthermore, they didn't want the possibility of a slow, painful death because of a bungled job of execution by a youth. So Gideon granted their wish and killed these two kings of Midian himself. Well, a lot more we could say on the background, but we need to move now to our doctrinal teaching points. Doctrinal point number one. Christian leaders must press on even though there are many disappointments. Christian leaders must press on even though there are many disappointments. Gideon had several disappointments along the way while he was doing the Lord's work in pursuing the Midianites. And we too will experience these disappointments as we press on to do the work of the Lord. First of all, there was the disappointment of internal bickering. Verse 1. Now the men of Ephraim said to him, Why have you done this to us by not calling us when you went to fight with the Midianites? And they reprimanded him sharply. The men of Ephraim were miffed that they were not part of the main battle and only brought in for the mopping up operations. What a disappointment for Gideon. Here time was of the essence in order to pursue the Midianites. And the men of Ephraim wanted to hold up the work of the Lord by bickering. Sound familiar? That would never happen here in this fellowship, right? 
everyone in fellowship here focuses on the big picture, right? But it can happen here. Bickering about the program. Bickering about the time of services. Bickering about the leadership. Listen, it happens. Christian leaders must press on even though there are many disappointments. And then there is the disappointment of no support. Gideon and his men were exhausted in doing the work of the Lord, as we see in verse 4. And he asked for some bread from the people of both Succoth and Penuel. But both towns refused. In fact, the town leaders of Succoth mocked Gideon's efforts, as we see there in verse 6. What a disappointment. This was hard to take. Here Gideon was risking his life to save these very people from the threat of the Midianites. And they wouldn't support him. They were afraid that Gideon would not be successful in his efforts and the Midianites would return and take revenge. Thanks a lot for the vote of confidence. <laughs> Again, does this sound familiar? I remember some years ago leading a youth group and asking the parents to support the program. There were a couple of parents that would not support us. What a disappointment. Here we were working hard to help their kids, and they wouldn't support the program. Give me a break. I'm sure some of you in leadership positions here have experienced similar type disappointments. But Gideon pressed on, and so must you. Christian leaders must press on even though there are many disappointments. Doctrinal point number two. Christian leaders must discipline others even though it is not very pleasant. Christian leaders must discipline others even though it's not very pleasant. When Gideon returned from his victory over the Midianites, he took action against the unloyal towns of Succoth and Penuel. This was not personal revenge. This was really discipline for not helping to carry out the work of the Lord in ridding the enemy from the land. Remember, God had commanded that all Israel fight and eliminate any and all enemies that would keep Israel from full occupation of the land. So you see, the people of Succoth and Penuel, which were from the tribe of Gad, by the way, had a responsibility and a golden opportunity here to obey the word of the Lord by supporting Gideon. But they disobeyed, and now they must be disciplined. Now, some have found fault with Gideon at this point for such harsh discipline, including the death of the men of Penuel and maybe some at Succoth. Recognize the Bible never explicitly condones Gideon's harsh discipline, but it doesn't condemn it either. In any case, Gideon was justified in bringing discipline on these rebels who wouldn't support the obvious work of the Lord. And discipline, regardless of its degree of harshness, is never pleasant. You know, that's one of the most unpleasant activities that we sometimes have to carry out at Emmaus Bible College. Discipline. Sending a student home, for example, as a means of discipline. Discipline is never pleasant, but it must be done. Parents must discipline children. Church leaders must discipline the flock. Christian leaders must discipline others, even though it's not very pleasant. Now, what about practical application? Remember, a soft answer turns away wrath, 
Remember, a soft answer turns away wrath. That's actually a quote from Proverbs 15, verse 1. Gideon practiced this biblical principle. Where do we see this? Well, when the men of Ephraim complained and bickered, Gideon could have read them the riot act, but he didn't. He gave them a soft answer. Look again at verse 2. So Gideon said to them, What have I now done in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer? What Gideon meant here was that the gleaning of Ephraim, that is the capture of the Midianite princes, Oreb and Zeb, after the main battle, you see the gleaning, that was better than the vintage or full harvest of Abiezer. That is better than the main battle fought by Gideon. Remember, Gideon was an Abiezrite. You read about that in chapter 6, verse 11. What a great and diplomatic and soft answer. Gideon was a peacemaker. He certainly qualified for the Nobel Peace Prize right here. What would we have said to the complainers and bickerers of Ephraim who were ready for an internal fight? Chances are we would have responded emotionally and at best ended up in a shouting match while the enemy escaped. Do you see the lesson here for us, which has so many applications? Remember, a soft answer turns away wrath. 